0: It's time for The
1: real
2: man Tom. Let's go. Time to grind, get inside your mind. Yeah, we working overtime, that's the only way to climb. We gonna make it in our prime, signing on the dotted line, cashing checks left and right, that's the way I'm living life.
3: Good evening and welcome to The Everyman podcast. Tonight we have three very special guests. We have Mike, Andy and Tim. the founders of Three Dads Walking, an incredible which was founded from an incredible cause of horrible situations happening in each of their lives that they've then turned into something really positive, not only for themselves, but for young people all across the UK. How are you all doing tonight, gentlemen?
4: Yeah, good. Okay.
3: Yeah. Tim's
1: Tim's gone sideways on the screen. Tim's gone sideways. Oh, he he always does something different. So this is his, yeah, that's what he's doing tonight.
4: That's what it's like in Norfolk. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Tim, your house Did... hasn't rolled over, has
3: it?
4: <laughs>
0: oh, We've off. lost him.
3: Must have been a sinkhole. So do sound. you guys normally walk, and Tim just like crawls on his side? Is that what usually happens? We can that... talk about him now. He's not listening, can't we? Yeah. Yes, he does. yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Uh, Marches, I'm sure he'll come back.
4: He marches on purposefully,
1: doesn't he? Yeah. The, the The thing is, with all our our walking and everything, obviously, you know, we the circumstances of how we got there are, you know, are tragic. But yeah. the bizarre thing about when we did walk, we we did laugh as well. Yeah. And there's a very important part of it. Mainly, myself, Andy, and Tim laughed at each other. You yeah. know, but we were regularly joined by other people with tragic stories as well. You know, and in the end, you know, you, you do in the face of everything, it's part of life, isn't it? You you do laugh and Tim's still sideways,
4: isn't
2: he? <laughs> <laughs> Oh god.
4: Well this kind of sums it up, isn't it? No, I,
3: yeah, I, yeah. I
4: I can't tell you what is messaging me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think he's on his he must be on his phone if it's twist tilting, I think. Yeah. But.
4: I've got to say Tim's usually really good with uh tech. Um but uh he'll get there in the end. No, it, it like Mike says, you know, it's it's been a. it's just been a, an odd odd few years. Odd, is that the right word? Um it's one that you wouldn't have believed could have happened in so many yeah. ways. Yeah. And certainly meeting yeah. these two was you know. in in hindsight is is it was impossible that that the three of us could have met but um we did yeah and uh we're here we are keep finding ourselves doing this kind of thing
3: (laughs) yeah I, i think so having done a lot of research and actually i came across you guys um before well before we even started the podcast actually um so we started the podcast sort of start of this year and um, hearing your stories and, and seeing some of the things that you had done was just a huge inspiration. And obviously we have lots of things we try and do around mental health. And you guys were actually a big part of the inspiration for why we've started this and, and actually not just wow. thinking about doing something, but actually doing something to make a difference. Um hmm. And I know we've had a little chat just before, but I did really want to say that the the work you guys do and the amount of effort you do to really raise it, uh, raise the awareness of especially um, suicide and young suicide is something that definitely shouldn't just be acknowledged as, oh, that there's three blokes doing something pretty cool. It's you guys are really making a difference. If me as a 30-year-old who's uh, now a a father of a one-year-old, it makes me think, wow, I have to have much different conversations with my son with him growing up versus probably what my dad had with me growing up just maybe that those check-in conversations and make sure he's actually okay um versus probably just feeling like he's just going to be all right because everyone is
1: it's about all round awareness isn't it you know suicide is is a is a difficult subject but sadly as we found (laughs) out it's a fact of life you know, but I was one of those parents where suicide would never, ever affect me or my family, Mm -hmm. you know, and my Mm -hmm. youngest daughter Beth took her own life at 17 completely out of the blue, you know, and, and if I'd been more aware, and if she'd been more aware of how to reach out and had that help seeking behavior, you know, she could well be here now. And all our daughters, you know, um, Beth, Emily, and Sophie, they all have different stories, You know, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they were beautiful, loved daughters who've left, you know, such such a wreckage behind them, you know, and Mm -hmm. such sadness and grief. You know, if we just had a few things that were different and you're right as a parent, you know, you've got a young child there and, Mm -hmm. you know, you you couldn't love them more, you know, but having that awareness to keep them safe and to realise that, you know, if they had more awareness as they grew up knowing how you know it could well save their lives
4: yeah i've got to yeah. say it's, it's really interesting what you say Lewis. That it's um you know one of the things that it's always reassuring i think from, from our perspective um to hear some kind of feedback that's, that says that m- m- our kind of messages of hope are getting heard that people are mm-hmm. getting to to understand and listening to and hearing um, what we're saying. Um, because the stuff that we're saying is nothing new or unusual. It's just that it feels like we we accidentally have created a platform. It really was by accident, you know, it really was yeah. just you'd set up for a walk and raise a bit of money for papyrus, prevention of suicide. Um, so what we've actually done is is completely accidental. But it feels like the time was right for that message to be heard. Uh, whether that's just the back of the pandemic and a lot of focus on uh, mental health issues um, or because it's just three blokes being very open about what we were feeling, three older blokes as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It just seems to have struck a chord. So actually hearing you say that it encourages you to think about you as a parent, but then you lads and the way you actually come together to try and create something positive is fantastic. Good to hear.
1: Yeah. Do, do you not think as well that, that you know, the three of us aren't uh, stereotypical men who don't talk? You know, we, we've always talked. In fact, we always say you, you can't shut us up. But it's yeah. been a very important um, part of me getting to where I am today and still being here myself because, you know, let's not underestimate the effect of losing, you know, a daughter to suicide has, Mm -hmm. you know, it puts you in such a dark place, you know, but being able to talk about it is, is, you know, it's a huge thing. It's incredible. It helps people process it. Yes, it is. Yes. So, so, you know, you you, sometimes you find it's hard to actually shut us up. But, you know, I'd I'd say, yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? You know, but I'd say to anyone, you know, men, you know, of your age, you know, there is the macho. You know, exterior, you know,
4: but yeah. never
1: be afraid to talk because you will find you
4: are not alone. Well, that's a thing, isn't it? I, actually, I, can you hear us, Tim? Are you back with us? I'm
2: back now, I think. Hey! Hear- <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's right, i right. <laughs> hands back together. No, God, um, I know it, it, that, that, it's that feeling. Of, oh, don't, don't no, it's, good, it's good, it's <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was it was really quite eye-opening. Um, like Mike said earlier on, you know, suicide's something that happens to other people's families and it's very sad when it happens. Yeah. But it's just, you, you know, life, you go on, don't you? You, you send, a letter, uh, send your condolences or whatever, but crack on until it lands mm-hmm. in your life when, when it just shatters everything and everything around you. And, and for, for what the various reasons, we've come together and realised that uh, We've accidentally seen this, the overview of what's happening in the country. You know, suicide being the biggest killer of under 35s in the UK, over 6,000 people a year terrifying. taking the two, 200 school aged children, um, dying by suicide. And, and all these figures are massively understated because <laughs> we've also learnt that that there's yeah. so many, um, suicides that go down the coroner's record as accidental death or misadventure or um, narrative verdict. So mm-hmm. we know these numbers are hugely underestimated. But then when you start, we, start, we started talking about it, it just felt like the time was right for, for that to be heard. We, we accidentally got the, got the overview. And, and as I said earlier, we'd, we'd accidentally created a platform, but then suddenly, suddenly people wanted to listen. And so yeah. from our yeah. view, we keep shouting.
3: Yeah. And you are doing an incredible job. I think, Mike, you just touched upon something there around um, how it affected your mental health, and, and I'm sure it affected all of your mental health. And what one, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Even when I even allow my brain to somehow go into that idea to have this conversation, it, it, honestly, I feel sick even having saying those sorts of words. Um, but. If you don't mind talking about a little bit around what that situation was like for you, but not too much. But more importantly, how the work you're doing has helped you guys to probably not accept it or maybe accept it and how you're able to move forward with your life and how the work you've done together has enabled you to to do that.
1: Who's who's going to start? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as as I said before, it it is, it is absolutely brutal. It nearly finished me mm-hmm. off. It sent me to a suicidal place. Um, and it was only because of Beth, the whole world changes color. Well, it just goes into black yeah. and white. Nothing as uh, Andy always says, it's like you forget how to breathe. Literally you do. Mm-hmm. And you go from a father. Well, I felt as I went for a father into nothing, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a strong firefighter, you know, into I, I was nothing, you know, I didn't want to be here. I couldn't even converse with my own family. They were lost in their own grief. You know, it's absolutely mm-hmm. horrible, but, you know, but, but meeting these two, we can go into the full story, but I met Tim first, started talking to Tim, um, cause we were, um, our, well, two of our surviving daughters made contact. And then, a little later on, I met Andy's son, and um basically through his, through Andy's son Gregor, I met Andy but it's so important to um realize you're not you 're not the only one you know there's other people suffering like you, and when you start talking about it and together, it makes you stronger and we We all realized what we all wanted we're all very proactive people and you know, the basic thing was we've got to get off our asses and do something, and not do something mm-hmm. because of our age, our physical, um, <laughs> our, our physical state. It was walking; it was never going to be running. But basically, <laughs> yeah, it, prowess it is a great
3: word. That's it.
1: That's it. You know, we we you know we we had a plan that you know where we were going. We were going the first walk between all our homes. You know, in Cumbria, in Manchester, and out to Norfolk. And that was about it. We just wanted to illustrate that suicide was the biggest killer in the UK, and off we went. And there it unfolded.
2: And I, and I think sorry, I could I, I should not get cut off now. Hopefully, I have got a connection. Hopefully, you can hear me. Yay. But I think yeah, your your point about kind of getting through this. I know when M died, I was I wasn't trained. I didn't I haven't got a clue how to cope with it. Uh, I've been in some some really kind of dodgy situations in my kind of work life and I've always been trained for that but this was way beyond anything I'd ever ever had to deal with. I didn't know how to deal with it and we we say it a lot to people but it's kind of help-seeking behaviour that we all kind of, all of us knew we couldn't do this on our own and that's definitely what I did and I just reached out for anyone and anything that would help me and you know Mike was one one of those, and, and the value you know I spoke to Mike, who was dead on a, a month after Emma died, so it's about three weeks after Beth had died, and I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to do, I just knew that I would got another dad there that was going through something very similar to me, and the power of that peer support that that the support I got from Mike and I think he got from me, you know twenty four seven we agreed we'd, we'd talk to each other whenever we needed to, day or night, however rubbish we felt we'd, we'd pick up the phone and and that peer support to me you know you could have a, a therapist that will tell you x y and z but that therapist is not living with what you're living with at the moment and, and Mike pretty much was and that to me was massively powerful uh, uh, you know Mike got it warts and all from me and I got it warts and all from Mike about how bad we were feeling and then there was a I reached out. I was very open at work about what, how I needed support. And I started to look ahead to people that were in a very similar situation to me, but we're a You're bit, dropping off. But, Come back. Can you hear me now? Can you hear I me can now? Hear you too. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you too. Yeah. So I started to reach out to people that are at, at work. They help. And basically I got connected with a guy who was about seven years down the line, who'd lost his son and he would Set up a brilliant charity. Uh, it's called the Royal Bear Force. But he he kind of he gave me something to aim for, and then obviously met Andy, who was kind of 14 months ahead. And meeting people who are in a very similar situation, maybe a little bit further down the line, makes you realise that there is a way of getting to that point a little bit further down the line, and that's incredibly powerful. It was for me.
4: Mm-hmm. It's that, that feeling of you, you you don't know how to live. You don't know how to live. The, those first few days just uh um I don't know, it, 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 even looking back now it's hard to to grasp how um impossible it was to get through a day um but it was um but we one of the things that we found <clears throat> because of what we've done we've met oh, i couldn't tell you loads and loads and loads of other suicide bereaved parents over these last couple of years, um, and you can see the the conversations that they have with us um, help. You know, there's. Um, Funny I was just thinking the other day about um, Martin, the chap we met when we walked across, across the bowl. and yeah, I was and getting he, in contact with him. yeah, yeah, and he, he was um, he'd lost his daughter uh, about three weeks before. And um, he joined us at the start of that day. And his idea was just to talk to some people who he'd seen, knew, had survived to work out how the hell you could do it. And by the time we left him that evening, he was almost a different person. Um, Obviously, his loss hadn't changed and his grief hadn't changed. But I think that feeling of hope that you can actually go on somehow
3: he mm-hmm. realized
4: yeah. that you can and we had a right good laugh with him as well you know we had a, a brilliant day brilliant day uh and we actually stayed with him on well, the second the second walk we did we actually stayed with him and his wife as we came through but that yeah as, as Tim was saying that that feeling of talking to people who you know understand because they're living it um is that the realization that it is happening to other people, and other people have survived and are getting through, and are doing something positive. Um, but also, like with us, that that feeling of being able to make a difference farther up, upstream as well is is driving us on. Because if if the power of talking that helps you with grief, the power of talk, talking can also help save lives uh, and and get people talking about suicide and suicide prevention. So that's that's the one of the critical lessons that we've learned is that talking is the most powerful
2: thing we can do i, I think you raised when you were asked the question as so you were talking about how, how do you move forward and i think that is a really powerful statement we're, we're, moving forward is exactly what you do after you've been through something like this or any crisis in your life you move forward I've heard people say before, oh, you move on with your life. Well, no, you'll never move on because whatever you've done, we've lost our daughters. But whatever crisis you've been in your life, you'll carry that with you. And moving forward is the correct terminology because you'll grow around that. If you can get through what you're dealing with at the moment, you'll move forward. And whatever you're dealing with, the loss of our daughters, will, you know, for us, will, will make made us stronger and stronger we're carrying that. So we definitely haven't moved on from losing our daughters. We'll never move on from losing our daughters, but we will move forward. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, It's just so courageous, boys. It's just hearing you talk and the ways of talking, the ways of helping others and the fact that you are willing to be vulnerable with each other. You know, like you were saying there, night or day, you know, text me, call me, be available. And that is something that you know paid professionals don't do people do this through try to do that for a living and they don't offer that level of support so the fact that you have come through such grief and 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 such tragedy and you have managed to stay strong and I totally get where you come from life will never you'll never ever move on from this you know what I mean but what you can do is you can help prevent it moving forward and you can make put it in the right people's eyes and put it at the forefront of conversation you know and um, we yeah. spoke before this you know, um, off air and, and Lewis was sharing a little bit about his journey as well and Lewis has been sharing about his thoughts in the past and in such a dark place, I think the fact that he started talking to us, not as necessarily in a, a such a way as you guys spoke, but the fact that he was willing to open up and we can get this podcast going and have such amazing guests like you who share your journey, it's a step in the direction, so I'm, I'm just, I take my hat off to you guys because you know, it's so brave that he's, he's a went through that and he's a, oh, keep working every day and keep fighting.
1: Yeah. It, it, it,
0: isn't, is, isn't that the most
1: powerful thing, though? No, you know, Lewis talking about, you know, where he's been. Well, those are the most powerful stories we hear from people who have struggled, been in crisis, sometimes attempted to take their own lives, yet now they're living a different life, a life they want to. You know, it doesn't mean every mm-hmm. day easy, you know but they've got reasons to live they want to live and that and that's the hope and that's what we want to get through to people as well you know that sometimes this despair you know many different reasons but often despair is temporary you know you, you mm-hmm. go on you get to the other side of it and you know life's full of twists and turns you know it's yeah. Um, so yeah it, it it is a
4: long road but you know but, but also so, also it, it, it's interesting you use words like people often do use words like courageous or, or being brave. I've got to say, it doesn't feel like that. At, at, it doesn't at, does at, it? No, It was it was the initially it was very much the feeling that you got to do something, and you, you. Know, I remember the the day we found um, we were told that Sophie had, had, had died. You know, having the conversation with my wife, B, e, and, and our son, Gregor. And um, one of the things that we said that day was, we've got to make something positive out of this mess. Um, obviously, I we had no idea what it could be. I had no idea what it could be. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. a feeling that it was, it was such a shitty place in our lives. Christ almighty, we must be able to do something with this that that helps other people. Um, but that's mm-hmm. not, not, not bravery or courage. It's just kind of... I don't know, it's like the, a desire to 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 um, stop all the yeah. families coming down the same route, yeah. Uh, and then, so by a series of quirks of fate or accident, we started. You know I, I, as Tim said, I'm, I was about I'm, we lost so about fourteen months before Beth, Beth and M died, um, and I accidentally. Well, I was introduced to these guys Papyrus mm-hmm. uh, by a friend and found out they were fantastic people and did some fundraising, which kind of took on a, a bit of a life of its own in our part of the world. And then when the three of us got together, this three dads walking, Mike, it was Mike's idea, it's all his fault. <laughs> uh, that idea of, of showing that it could happen to any family anywhere really yeah. did take on a life of its own. And once we we started being heard, it's not courage or bravery that drives us. It's the realisation that it makes a difference. Then the feedback that we get all the time from all over, either through Papyrus and the, the feedback they, they get or people contacting us directly is so positive that we're talking about the right things and people have been pleased to um, see the three of us because it's allowed them to have conversations with their children or encouraged to have conversations to check in with their children. With their Children, um, and in in some cases, people have said, you know, were you in, by us introducing them to Papyrus, they've reached out via the Hope line twenty four seven and asked for help, and lives have been saved. So yeah. the, we've kind of got ourselves into a position. Of, that it's not to do with courage or bravery, it's because we've we have made a difference. We've and we realize. Don't think it's, we, it's we always
3: get off. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You said that who said that <laughs> that's mates no. though isn't it we're
1: we're we're we we're, we're very different but but yeah I, you know what we we are mates and we're in contact with yeah. each other every bloody day as well not know, not. Messages i'm not talking to you every day yeah <laughs> <laughs> not him again no no but it, yeah. it's a bizarre thing but it feels almost like fate i don't know how we got here the world just you know it just taken on a sort of view to be quite honest (laughs) you know and uh yeah it's quite bizarre in many ways
3: that yeah i think everything you guys have just said there is probably where ethan hasn't opened up yet and it's up to ethan whether he wants to talk about i suppose his journey and stuff but it's probably why we are where we are today, and why we're having this conversation. So, I think, yeah, having something happen in your life, and this is as much the conversation we're having to, to the audience here, who people who may be struggling. You, you, I went through a situation of I have kind of two choices: it can either break me, or it can make, or I can make this situation something better than it is. It doesn't change the fact that that was a really shit situation that I went through and I really did struggle and I I can't change that at all. But what I can then change is the next actions that I take and the things that I try and do and probably quite similar to you um, guys in terms of trying to help other people naturally helps me. It's almost, it's not like I, I, I don't give away any of my struggles by helping others but it helps me understand some of my struggles by at least speaking to other people, understanding what other people are going through. Because I think a lot of grief or um, depression, anxiety, stress, the things that people generally struggle with, a lot of the problem is you're battling your own mind's voice. So your own mind's voice plays tricks on you because it will tell you that you're you're not good enough or you can't do this or it's too hard and it's not worth it and why And actually just being able to vocalize that with other people even just by listening to someone else for me it seems to quieten down the noise because I then don't feel like I'm the worst person in the world by hearing someone else going through it I understand maybe myself a little bit more and and I think that's something that's really powerful you you might not get loads out of or you might not be able to help loads of people in the situation that you're currently in, and that's to anyone listening. But actually you might really be able to help yourself just by listening and maybe help take away some of that stress and and that build up of pressure in your head. Um because actually like you say the 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 suicidal thoughts are only there for split seconds of real intense um stress anxiety or or things like that where it all almost boils over i describe it like boiling the water in a pan there's that few seconds where it boils over and then it's cal- the water's still bubbling away but it's it's a lot calmer when you once you turn the temperature down and i, I think just understanding and recognizing moments when you're about to boil over and how do you create coping strategies and ways to deal with that intense moments to not make any decisions that you will either regret or you might not be here to regret. Mm. So just recognizing that within yourself, it's definitely something that again, I've gone to therapy and I've tried to speak to lots of people and I've done lots of research on and self discovery. And I hate wishy washy words like that. But moments like that to probably try and understand me to help me live a, a better life in the future so everything you guys have just said there absolutely resonates from my experience as someone who thought about it thought about it pretty seriously and then is now in a situation where um i, I don't have any of those thoughts anymore so uh, and and that makes me almost feel at peace and calm mm-hmm. um w- one thing i, I did really want to ask you guys about around uh, and we've had previous guests on uh, talk around what COVID did to young people um, in the sense of it was a real pressure moment and the repercussions today that we're seeing from COVID in terms of young people maybe not being able to communicate effectively because they've been in situations where yeah. they they weren't able to communicate because they were isolated or they were put in situations where um, they were really made to feel alone um, and <laughs> I'd be really keen to understand your thoughts if if there's a parent listening today and and they're listening to this and they have slight concerns around what covid did to their or the impact covid had on their child and they're not sure how to deal with that today and this is still following on is there anything that parents could be doing to help their child almost come back out in a in a more positive way
1: Well, lockdown, um, a devastating effect on um, myself and Tim because we we lost Emily and Beth in the first week of lockdown. They were some of the first victims to fall through mental health issues in lockdown because everything they heard, I think, scared them. All their coping mechanisms were gone, all their social lives were gone, mm-hmm. going out, going to the gym, but all sorts of things, were all of a sudden, gone. They were the first victims. But what we, we spend a lot of time at the moment talking to um, teachers, schools, a lot of people around education. Oh, certainly, there's a mental health crisis that is only getting bigger. And you can, you can uh, pinpoint um, the lockdown and all the rest of it for being one of the factors and it's only one of the factors we've got other factors there like basically um, social media you know the internet and things like that you know there's there's the crisis through our young people this is your talk about being able to know how to cope and all the rest of it well we believe and this is why we've got um to introduce suicide prevention as a as a compulsory subject in the RSHE curriculum in schools, because so we believe we've got to get right upstream of this and start when kids are young talking about emotions, encouraging help-seeking behaviors, and introducing certainly suicide prevention as a compulsory subject, you know, across yeah. all schools. You know, so that's where we'll start. So, yeah, you know, messages to any parents at the moment, I think is make yourself aware, you know, make yourself Mm -hmm. aware of suicide prevention, suicide awareness, and basically, you know, how to
3: recognise the signs in your young people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely right. We've discussed this before, actually, how education is just absolutely the key in you, you almost don't know what you don't know. So if, if, if someone doesn't know how they feel and they only feel overwhelmed or a parent thinks that that their child might be just having one, might be being a teenager and that just means that they are spending more time in their bedroom or whatever that might be. um, I think identifying and understanding what the signs could be, as you say, is, is a big part. So when you talk around wanting to get it into the curriculum, and, and I've seen lots of uh, the work you guys have done with obviously getting that to, to Westminster. I've seen you have uh, met with the education secretary and I'd be really keen to understand all of that. I, I used to work in education, so um, massively interested in, in some of the, the work you guys have done around that. But do you think there's almost something as well that needs to happen for parents to, to understand and identify that? Because can we trust, children to may be he, he, wise enough to understand that themselves remember that, that there is but you
1: remember these children will become parents one day and if we've invested yeah. in them at school they should carry some of these skills into their later life there'll be some you know adults parents and uh, you know they'll have these skills before
2: I think we yeah. I hope you can hear me now after my yeah. IT but we, we we, we watched uh, Cambrian charity, that's good for me, a Cambrian charity called Every Life Matters deliver some uh, suicide prevention training to 11 and 12 year olds and 15 and 16 year olds uh, mm-hmm. and that was absolute eye-opener for me. The biggest thing that I took away from that, I think there's about 50 kids in total, uh, not one parent said, they had to get their parents permission to do it, not one parent said no they didn't want it. So that's the parents buying it. What it meant was these specialists that got brought into school were addressing a subject that the parents felt ill-equipped to deal with. And yeah. the, it was all very age-appropriate. Uh, it was all very gentle. It was all about just what you were saying a minute ago about handling that that that, that time when you feel depressed as feeling well as if you don't want to be any more, telling people that it won't last forever and telling the young people, let's, when you're in a good place, let's put some strategies in place so that when you hit that wall, let's not wait till you hit that brick wall and that I, I don't want to be here anymore before you actually decide what, you know, you've got that coping strategy in place when you're in a good place. I, I'm, it's simple fact is we train our young people to deal with so many of the risks in their lives, uh, such as, uh, Uh, driving, drugs, knife crime, sex education, all this lot but we don't mention the S word to them and that doesn't make any sense to me.
4: So one of the things that at the heart of um, what we we ended up doing talking about the school curriculum, what what you need to realise is we aren't experts, we're not experts in education and we're certainly not experts in suicide prevention. We've just been thrown into this world by accident. Um, but what actually happened on the first walk, because we met so many suicide-breathed parents every day, we were having, we were having these conversations that um, many of them were similar. Lots of conversations about the suicide and running into suicides were all different. The stories were all different. But the conversation kind of led into a, a, a place where we ended up talking. Many parents said, didn't see it coming. Um, we had no idea that suicide was a big killer. and Then suddenly this thing landed in their lives and exploded their lives. And it was only after they lost their children that they found Papyrus. It was only when they found Papyrus, they found that suicide is the biggest killer of under 35. And they were all saying, well, why didn't anybody tell us? Why didn't anybody tell our children that this is the biggest mm-hmm. risk? And so it was off the back of that first war and those multiple conversations with the, why is nobody talking about this? It prompted us to have a look at the curriculum um, when we got back from that first walk, which makes really interesting reading, I've got to say the the, um, the pastoral stuff in the school curriculum now, now under the RSHE label, is fantastic. And and you know, I was at school in the nineteen seventies, nineteen sixties. In fact, <laughs> now I think about it, <laughs> and the school curriculum didn't contain anything. Mental health was not a thing. You know, it just wasn't a thing um and it's actually it's quite interesting looking back the number of uh people i went to school with who were taking their own lives um and it's yeah and they were never given the chance to help themselves but the the curriculum as it stands or as it stood was pretty good um you know lots of uh, discussions about uh resilience and mental health issues um and mental health and well-being and being active Uh, for Mm -hmm. positive mental health and all that kind of stuff really good but the one thing it didn't say was you had to talk about suicide prevention and as tim said you know if this is the biggest risk in our young people's lives logically you would would suggest you have to talk about it not talking about it is stupid and so it was actually quite easy for us to um, get our our sights set on the government and the department for education in particular to say if this is the biggest risk, why aren't we talking about it? Because it's, it's there, it literally there in black and white. Here's the curriculum, and it says,
3: mm-hmm.
4: it, it actually says suicide prevention. You can talk about it, but only to older pupils. So it's mm-hmm. it, it, it proves that it's not compulsory, and it avoids talking to, to younger children about the biggest issue. You know, and we've met parents of eleven year olds of technology lives. You've come across it. Um, uh, families of eight-year-olds that have taken their own lives. So when yeah. you know, we need to start doing something really early. But they so say that yeah. it, the, the fact that it's an easy target doesn't mean that's the only target because the, you're right that it's not a it's not a the school should do this and parents should do this society should do it mm-hmm. because if this is the biggest killer of our young people, we as a society need to. Dig out, pull our heads out of the sand, and actually realize that uh, we need to talk about this risk and then actively do something about it because not doing it is completely stupid. And so, yeah, yeah we've got an easy target in the government and a, a few lines in the school curriculum, but that's not the real target. The real target is all of us,
3: it's like a societal change, yeah yeah see,
4: three blocks trying to change society
1: are huh? we good yeah, that's it, that's <laughs> it. you know um maybe jumping ahead here but i i see it as a, a huge shift we must invest more in our young people as in we we have such a focus on their academic qualifications but we need to balance it now with life skills you know and that includes suicide prevention it includes a lot of other things you know like how to deal with social media the internet bullying. Yeah. I think the pressures are coming in at all different angles. And basically I see as our young people, our kids really aren't having the fun they used to have. Life's very mm-hmm. complicated for them and they're carrying these problems obviously into adulthood as well. You know, so I really think they're doing a shift. I mean, this is proven, I think, with what's going on at universities at the moment. You've got um, young people there with a ruck of academic qualifications but not even the life skills to keep themselves happy and safe mm-hmm. you know we we need
0: need things to change he's doing and that's the thing from what you're saying there lads i mean um it sounds very reactive rather than very proactive that's yeah, what it is yeah, and especially absolutely. in the schools yeah. And you know, um, you know, I didn't go to school in the the sixties. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was the the uh, early <laughs> yeah, yeah. two thousands. <laughs> Just leave that one in. Hey, I
4: tell you, it wasn't all bloody roses. I tell you, <laughs> <It was> corporal <laughs> punishment still existed. Oh, oh, exactly.
0: <laughs> um But I but I went to school in the two thousands, and you know, I'm i i have well documented through our podcast podcasts that I've struggled with my weight, and I was bullied heavily at school, and. You know, I I would be lying if I said I didn't have those thoughts, you know, and it takes you to dark places. And even when I was at school, there was it was a very taboo subject, you know, even sex education was a taboo subject. But, you know, obviously, I highly doubt that's going to kill anyone or cause any problems. But the fact that suicide prevention, mental health, you know, it's something that is very much under the carpet. And it, 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 it goes back to the old saying that Lewis mentioned, I believe, off camera, where, you may, you have to give this macho approach and if you go to another male friend and say, you know, I'm really struggling, they'll say, well, be a man's man or something like that. And, you know, or, or a woman, you know, if they go and speak to an, a, another woman colleague or a woman friend, you know, it, it's not just men that are affected. Um, but the, the thing is, it needs to change and people's attitudes need to change because mm-hmm. such destruction that's been left behind. Luckily, you guys have be able to turn to such tragedy and really help others. But unfortunately other people aren't as fortunate and aren't as I say this word brave and, and courageous to do such a thing. Um and it does cause a lot of problems, you know, and I've I've lost a friend, Connor, uh, Lewis knew him as well. He was in his twenties and he took his own life. And that was a real turning point for me. And I know this is gonna sound selfish, but going to his funeral and seeing his family, his mom, you know his friends know myself we all sort of shed a tear and we were distraught and that really changed my aspect on things because I thought I I don't have the strength to do it and I don't have the strength to leave such destruction behind and cause such heartbreak and I know it sounds it, it sounds selfish and I do apologize but you know ever since then I've just been sort of too much of a coward to to do any actions of that manner because I just It's something I couldn't do, you know. Um, But, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that you guys are getting out there doing such amazing work. And, like Lewis said, he's actually trying to be proactive about this. And it's something that needs to be put in the curriculum. It has to be because it's just as Mm -hmm. important as, you know, if we're looking, if we're doing history at school and you're looking at the Battle of Hastings or you're looking at the Roman Emperor, it's all well and good looking at the past. But who's showing you the future? You know, who's Mm -hmm. showing you the way forward? So, and that's that's my thought on the matter. You know what I mean?
3: I th- th- thanks for that, Ethan. I, th- I think um, what what really h- hits me is we're we're moving to a- an age now, Mike. You touched upon it, where kids are getting out less and less, so they're having less actual physical social interaction. things through social media. There's all these false expectations that they have to be perfect, they have to look a certain way, they have to be a millionaire by probably 10 now like it's all these like crazy hard to reach things so we're setting up our, our kids our young adults fail with all these false expectations all of the time but there's nothing around them to equip them with that's not real life you don't have to hit those ex- you don't have to be that person like the older you it's, it's weird isn't it you you value material things way less you value your time way more you value the relationships you have with people way more but when you're younger you just want to be cool you want to be popular yeah. you just want to have the latest thing and the more we can i wish i knew what i knew now when i was 15 or 16 17 because then i wouldn't have wasted so much time and probably been so unhappy chasing things that for that buzz or to look cool versus the things that probably made me actually happy and as you get older you need to learn that
1: yeah i I think social media um has a lot to answer for i think it um is producing a very entitled society as in our young people want things now and if they can't have it now and this isn't everyone this is an overview, but i think this is the way they go they want it now but you remember (laughs) our young people well they have their mobile devices 24 7 don't they you know, mm-hmm. I mean, would you send your child up to their bedroom with pornography, with um, instructions of how to take their own lives or how to self-harm and lots of other foul things? Well, that is basically what they're doing. They're going up to their bedroom with their mobile device. that is a portal to all these terrible places. You know, th- mm-hmm. there, needs to be, um, there needs to be control on it. Um, the online safety bill has been um, up and running recently. I know they've tried to water that down. But when we talk about um, suicidal thoughts and things, if we don't teach our young people in school, they will basically search it, and it will take them to these very dark places. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it has a lot
2: to answer for. But in the in the start, but well, in the pandemic over the last two, well, 2020 to 2022, we told our kids that everything was online that's how they were educated if anyone my kids had to have my surviving kids had to have therapy afterwards that was all provided online so so we're the pet we're the generation if you like us lot have forced our kids to go onto it for education and now mm-hmm. we're saying to them oh we don't want you to be on it which which doesn't make sense to them and that's the whole world yeah. out there so a, a lot mm-hmm. of the fog, especially since the pandemic you know there's been a huge I think there's a been a 77% increase in referrals to child and adolescent mental health services since wow. the start of the pandemic. So it's brutal. and We've overwhelmed the services and that's why, you know, getting in early and doing the prevention stuff is so important.
4: Mm-hmm. One of the things you said there, Lewis, I think is really interesting, which is a thought, it shows that you're growing up, I have to say. It's that like, I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah. Yeah I hate I hate to tell you this that as you get older you'll keep having that thought. Um, yeah <laughs> you know, when you're in your 50s you'll think oh I wish I knew that when I was 30.
3: Do, um, do you want to just tell me the answers now then No, then i have to work it off yourself, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but that is also part of it isn't it? You need to probably have the bad times to know what is the good times and yeah and yeah.
4: We, and, it's, it's, and everybody goes through something different you know we all learn things in, in different ways. But I, I, I think you're you're right. You know, in the in the background at the moment, because of the the incessant positivity you get on Instagram or TikTok mm-hmm. or or whatever, you know, yeah. people just living these fantastic, perfect lives. It, it 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 sets a standard against which nobody's perfect, which is just crap. Yeah. Um, and and so I think um, this is uh, what we keep coming back to with. Certainly so with education in schools, but also the understanding that parents have got to be able to show young people that mm-hmm. that, that is, that's the false bit. Um and equip, equip folk with understanding that um, things aren't going to be perfect all the time, and then building yeah. some understanding and knowledge that uh, allows you to get through those challenging and difficult times. Yeah, you know, we'd be we'd, yeah. The, our conversations with with the department for education have been really interesting um uh, which is which is very much ongoing at the moment because you can see over this last certainly 15 or 20 years the DfE have been so focused on academic standards and um you know the schools have been become factories to produce uh people who pass exams and get and 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 hire, achieve highly in exam exams yes yeah. it's, it's got so far off track in terms of producing uh, rounded human beings mm-hmm. um, and it, it you know we'll see where, how far down this conversation we end up going because we we've accidentally got involved with all kinds of academics and uh, educationalists mm-hmm. um, and we, we as I said before you know we're not experts but we seem to be allowing a space in which the experts might be able to make a difference so we'll
3: keep going yep. but that change of
4: view change change of the focus has to be made
3: yeah when you when you talk about that um obviously lots of change i think we're all on that same page that lots of change has to come through education so you've met some of the the top people you've met the education minister for example you've went to westminster is there change happening it is is there sign of change happening is is there actually any hard commitment that's something could happen. And, and if not, what can we all do to help drive that?
1: Well, we're, we're hoping when, rather than yeah. will it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so will we They're yeah, on to
2: Yeah, so we, we obviously we met the minister, she was the minister then Gillian Keegan in health and social care, and she got suicide prevention, in her portfolio. And she said, it's really, really hard to get into education. And guess what? She's the Secretary of State now for Education. And we've met her three yeah. times. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's been very positive, the meetings. We've all, also met with the Prime Minister in the back garden of number 10. Massively yeah. positive meeting. And the debate that we had in Westminster, where we had MPs from across the House, all supporting what we're saying that we need to do, educate our children in suicide prevention. Nobody is giving us a good reason why we shouldn't be doing it at the moment and it That's seems right. we've got support. It's, it's quite sad really but the one thing that unites politicians is suicide prevention and th- they, to have found that and to have found everyone pulling in the same direction is is, is quite a revolu- re- you know, revelation to us or to me especially, I, I hadn't realised they'd all work together like that.
3: So it feels mm-hmm.
2: like we're going in the right direction. What we need to do now is we've got all the experts around the table and the experts we've got from charities from the education sector and academia, which is the most important thing because it's, it's a very dangerous thing for the government to do to be kind of going, right, we're gonna teach suicide prevention. And if it's done in the wrong way, that could be you know detrimental, yeah. that could people their lives. So the government quite rightly want hard facts and, and want that support from the experts. So the experts that we've got around the table, it's up to them now to convince the government that, that we can do this safely and we can do this in a, in a controlled, age appropriate manner. So it feels like we've been given an absolute golden opportunity to make such a difference. And it's now just down to those experts to convince the government that, yeah, this is the right thing to do and we can do it safely.
4: And, and, and where we are, yeah. is, is these meetings are happening now. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we, we're we actually down at Westminster next week at, at one of them, but they're having a series of meetings with all kinds of uh, people, whether it be from education, from academic research, from suicide prevention charities. So these meetings are just starting to happen now um, with a report to be written over the summer. Uh, and, the, and the recommendations off the back of that report to deliver be delivered back to the Department for Education and Gillian Keegan in particular, uh, come this um, autumn September time. Mm-hmm. And once not get to that place, um, if everything still lines up, the Department for Education can make the change internally, it doesn't have to go before Parliament, there doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, a. um, it doesn't, not, nothing needs to be voted on uh, mm-hmm. because it's a curriculum uh, issue. That's within yeah. the gift of the DFE itself. So yeah. they can rewrite the curriculum. So it does feel like we've got all the right people in all the right places. Um, Good. But it's just a question of making sure they all keep talking and, um, you know, the dominoes start to fall in the right direction.
1: Yeah. yeah. As we say, you know, sort of that we can't do nothing in this situation. We have to be proactive in it, yeah. you know, letting it carry on. There's figures out there that show that child suicide has risen over the last 10 years, and that is absolutely unacceptable. And I think it's only going to get worse with the pressures that our young people are under. But there is always the, um you know, the risk. You can't teach suicide. Well, we're not teaching. We don't want suicide taught. We want suicide prevention taught, and that that is hugely important.
2: You don't yeah, teach and, uh, kids how to start fires, do you? You, you don't teach kids, be, yeah, you teach them fire prevention. You teach them, you know, how to shut fire doors and stuff. And that's all we're saying is teach prevention. Let's not wait for everything, everyone to be absolutely overwhelmed.
4: Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, if we get to a place where it doesn't go in, if suicide prevention isn't added to the school curriculum, we'll keep asking the same question. We we'll have to go for another walk. Loudly, um, <laughs> very yeah, loudly. But but, but but imagine that you know if it doesn't if it doesn't go in. Okay, so we we all know that suicide is the biggest killer of young people in the country. What are you doing about it? Yeah. What are you doing about it? Because doing nothing is, as Mike said, doing nothing is not an option. If this is the biggest risk to our young people's lives, what are you doing about it?
2: Yeah. They, you think of how much effort we put into road safety that's the one that I keep coming back to you know we lose about tragically about 1500 people on the roads every year yet we have all the speed limits all the car safety systems you know police out with speed cameras everywhere so much effort is put into road safety and we lose 1500 tragically tragically lose 1500 people a year on the roads and all we're saying is if we lose at least four times that amount by suicide Let's put a similar amount of effort into suicide prevention. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It, the numbers yeah, I mean, just don't stack up at the moment. No, no. I mean and
1: the one. You know, you, you you lose that one person. You know, and they say 135 people affected by that one suicide. It, it's like Beth, and I'm sure you know, Sophie and Emily. It was far more than that. You know, and these people are, are more likely to actually. Struggle themselves, and even they're more likely—say, eighty to three hundred percent more likely—to take their own lives. It's it's the knock-on effect, you know. It's it's absolutely brutal.
0: Exactly, and the thing is, lads, as well. Like I heard something not long ago, and did the budget in education in the UK is the same budget to actually fix potholes in the UK. Now, that could be something that needs to be addressed. I don't know how accurate that is, but I did hear that from a a teacher. And that's something that, when you guys are trying to put your point across, is the funds there? Now, there may have to be subjects taken out, unnecessary subjects that are there, that we can change and we can try and build something more proactive. But it's just shocking to hear even those numbers, you know, and when you guys are working effortlessly and tirelessly to get this put across, and and like you were saying, there's there should be no excuse for this not to go in. There's just no but excuse. If,
2: and I don't know how to justify it. If mm-hmm. something else, it's, it's just a risk assessment, isn't it? Simple as that. If something else needs to drop out of the RSHE curriculum, then it needs to drop out of the RSHE curriculum. Because if this yeah. is the biggest risk to play young people, we need to do something to try and prevent it. S- simple, absolutely. It's just so yeah. simple. And the other tragedy, absolute tragedy... Is that I hear that when a young person has taken their own life at a school, it's at that point the school often calls in a suicide prevention char- charity to deliver suicide prevention material to the the other pupils.
3: Well, yeah. imagine
2: if they delivered that suicide prevention training before that the young day person. Before. Had taken it. We're doing everything after the horse has bolted. It's it's just a no-brainer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It almost seems like where we, we talk about
3: social media and we talk about the fact that uh, our kids or young people today and well, a lot of people, to be fair, are spending so much time on Instagram, TikTok is these 30 second fast videos. And we've got these influencers pumping out all this shit that they pump out. That is just nothing fake life for it to really land. The sad thing is you probably need to go through that community not just the curriculum that almost needs to be the culture yeah. within the uk needs to be instead of buying yeah. the latest widget gidget, gadget thing whatever then you actually need to have these people have some sort of a conscience and say actually i may have a million followers i may look like i'm living this life but actually i get all these hateful messages all the time and it's really hurtful this isn't actually my real life. I put this out for brands because they pay me money, but actually my real life looks like this. And I don't actually look like this. I'm going to take the filter off. (laughs) I actually look like this as well. Yeah. Like I have spots too. I, I am bold. Like all those sorts of things. Like I'm not this perfect person. Um, but I I feel this, there's got to be an element of, um, honesty and kindness. Yeah. 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 Honesty. Exactly. But the, To really change the culture, sadly, yes, the school is going to play a huge part. I I absolutely see that to help as they grow up. But there's almost going to have to be a culture change within the social media platforms, because that's where people are spending their time. And in terms of celebrities who have probably experienced things, just statistically, there'll be lots of celebrities out there who've been impacted by it, need to start talking about it in a way to... Help the conversation flow as well. It almost needs to be cool to talk about your mental health mm. versus actually, I we all have to be perfect to look good on an app.
4: Well, it, it, that, I mean, God can say that is changing. And it, it yeah, is, yeah.
3: You know, people are yeah. much
4: more open. Yeah. Certainly on the media, you, you hear and see so mm-hmm. much more of people being uh, very open about their experiences. Um, I think it, it yeah. It, it, We've come back to the societal change that realization that we all need it's all our responsibility the attitudes that we create yeah. um, but it is challenging it's challenging because people do get get stuck in in uh, strange places at times um and they believe it's very easy to believe that uh, your life isn't isn't uh, up to scratch when you' try and compare it to uh, the, the stuff that's out there when quite often you end up in places Way, even if the positive message, messages are being put out, you are not prepared to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is again one of the reasons why we, we want to get these um, understandings and strategies put in place, just so mm-hmm. it's people realise it, it is actually quite normal. You know, if one in five of us are going to have stuff from suicidal thoughts in the lives. It kind of makes sense to equip all of us. <laughs> Uh, to give have some kind of technique to get through those those really dark periods. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's it, our our point in everything at uh, the school curriculum is really simple. But yeah, the answer is much, 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 much more complicated. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, but if if you've got a platform and we can shout about it, it's fantastic. And you know, it's good. It's great. We, we always keep saying about finding different audiences. So it's been it's been great being invited on. With you guys you know we're talking to different different people again so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking
2: as long as people want to listen <laughs> and, and i think that, we'll always talk but the the, the the key point of art is if, if we talk to you know or not we if the schools talk to 10 11 12 up to 15 year olds now in 10 years time they'll be the teachers of the future they'll be the business people of the future they'll be the you know they'll be the people that are entering society i and they will expect they will expect their workplaces, their colleagues, to deal with that. And you can see how quickly if the younger generation expect we, the older generation, yeah, to I deal think with we lost it, him, didn't we?
4: Nope. Cool. Well, i hearing Tim?
2: On I didn't. I
3: didn't. That's that's my fault. I didn't hear Tim.
2: Sorry. Mate. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, if the younger generation now, you know, the 10 to 16 year olds get have suicide prevention training, and that becomes yep. just the norm for them when in 10 years time when you know they're the 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 young teachers they're the the young business people and stuff they will expect their workplaces and their colleagues to deal with that and they will almost drag the older generations us lot, all of us whether you're in your 30s or 50s -hmm. into their world and say you know they've they've done it with the kind of diversity uh, and inclusion you know they've they've made things that made things that we used to say totally unacceptable now, and that will just be a societal change. So, If we can change our young people, they're incredibly powerful, and that will change society, and it won't take long, but it's just an investment. You know, wait for 10 years and society will have changed if we get into the curriculum now.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, on that, boys, as well, you know, you're doing so much future prevention um, you know and we're trying to be proactive in this instance as well and he's, he's doing great work I mean he's worked with Papyrus and uh Hopeline UK don't he's at the moment is that the main sort of focus that for anyone here and now that are struggling are they the people you would go through if he's worked with any other charities or any other organizations I know you've got better help and you know you've got mine and things like that in, in the mental health sector I just want to know how you build that relationship and who you guys go to and for anyone may struggle and who who the best people to speak to would be if you haven't got the avenues that you've got.
4: Well, the reason we got in involved with Papyrus started with me, and that was when uh, after we lost Sophie, we were looking for a, charity, a suicide prevention charity to support at her funeral. And if you Google suicide prevention charities, you get mine comes up and Samaritans, which are great. You know, they're great work. But I'm actually I'm actually a trustee of a small uh, um, um, environmental charity in the Lake District. And my inclination was ne- is never to support big charities because they kind of look after themselves. And so I contacted a friend who and asked her out of all the non-big charities, and she pointed me at Papyrus. And they're fantastic. I mean, they are amazing, amazing people, you know, because as well as running Hope Line 24-7, they, they run uh, loads and loads and loads of training. Uh, go out and teach people about suicide prevention, suicide awareness, and suicide first aid. Uh, and also, they do a lot of work with the decision makers. So um, they spend a, Jed, the chief exec, spends a lot of time at Westminster. So they do some fantastic work. Um, and it was easy when we got together. Mike had come across papyrus already. Um, it was very easy just to say right. Well, the money, we're going to raise some money and we're going to give it to these people because they save lives. You know, it's really quite a simple thing. What we've, What's happened over the the, the Three Dads um, uh, project, is that the right word? Journey, I don't know. What is it? Three, well, Three Dads, <laughs> what are we doing? I'm not sure what we're doing. We make it up as we go along. Uh, we've met loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of other charities and organisations along the way, some big, some small. Um, all trying to save lives. Um, and there are so many charities out there that are trying to do some fantastic stuff. I don't know if you saw, the last week, there was a project run called, Fortnite, oh, fortnight, a thing called Baton of Hope, where um, there was a physical baton, big metal thing made by the King's um, jewellers carried around 12 cities of the UK, mainly by suicide bereaved people.
1: How would you know you didn't carry it, did you?
4: No, nah, well, you do it.
1: Bloody hell, yeah, it's too yeah. heavy. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> people that. Tim, what 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 did you say to me? You said I've got I've got sun cream on my hands. I can't hold it.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but, too, like, too heavy, me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, but but it, it weighed a ton. It was um, it's really a magnificent thing. It really it, is. Uh,
4: but that, it, it brought so many people together and so many charities together you know there are yeah you know, we, we do focus on papyrus because we've got to focus on something and these people save lives so we'll, we'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. but that yeah. doesn't mean we, we're not supporting others you know as, as Tim met talked about earlier on the one of the um, when we all three of us went and watched the suicide preventing lessons being taught that was by a, a Cumbrian charity called Every Life Matters who do magnificent work across Cumbria absolutely phenomenal work. But we're all different we all we're all involved with different charities along the way because whether we like it or not we're all in this together and we've got to keep shouting about it and, yeah. and we do we
1: do try and support other people's ventures as well walks and and things like that we always <laughs> turn up if we can you know as individuals as well as all three of
2: us. And that's what we said this year, wasn't it? We would support rather than do another walk this year. We'd concentrate on engaging with government and supporting other people. And I think we're all talking at various Samaritans events, uh, other charities. There's one round here, Moffat uh, Community Foundation that raises money for over two thousand charities. So we we try and help out locally to other charities as well. If we can, you know, raise, if we can support them in them raising money, then that's a good thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Do, well, if you guys are ever in the northeast, as in anywhere, probably Durham upwards, we would we would always be keen to come along. Ooh, and, um, okay. Well, um, well, um, funny you should mention uh,
1: that. How <laughs> 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 good are you walking? Hang on. Oh, look. Oh, I'll look.
3: Yeah. yeah I'll, hey, I'll I'll come along. It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: I've not drawn the line yet, but could, we could make it go through Durham, can't we? <laughs>
3: <laughs> to be fair, we we, we we love anything like that, to be honest. And it's good just to get out and actually have yeah. a get and, some fresh air and, and exercise talk.
1: and yeah and talk because exactly. Like, what what walking and talking it's a huge thing. I mean, everyone asks sort how did me, Andy, and Tim get on during these walks. The the truth is Tell we terribly. hardly talk to each other. Yeah, we hardly <laughs> talk to each other because we're talking yeah. to someone else. You know, we yeah. didn't tend to sort of walk with three of us talking to one person. That person would go around each of us individually. You know, that was yeah. powerful as well because they got, you know, all different aspects of this and that. You know, it was, um, yeah, yeah, really powerful. But, you know, if we, we, we will walk again next year.
3: And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah.
4: He said it. Well, he
3: said it though, he? well, well, well. When you do, if there's an yeah. invite, we would absolutely love to come. You don't need uh, an invite.
1: Anyway. No, you don't need an invite. There'll be a tracker, and yeah. you just turn up. There's no invites needed. You know, this is no You know, we're, we're, I'll be there. For us on the way, you know, and and that's what it's about. You know, come along. There's no invites, yeah. or an open it, it, invite, should I say?
4: Yeah, I've got to say it was one of the most privileged things I've ever done in my life, those two walks. Not because of these two Muppets, but because of the people <laughs> that they met along the way. <laughs> but honestly, the, that, that sense of um, just hope and love and yeah. care, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just unbelievable thing to be able to experience. And to experience it day after day after day after day was really mind-boggling. Um, and to eat and, that many uh, pork pies
3: was... Uh, yeah, a lot
4: of pork pies.
3: Yeah. yeah. Didn't get energy, <laughs> yeah. Bars. We got pork pies. To, <laughs> to be fair, you had me at pork pies. But I'm just coming on the walk <laughs> for the pies. Yeah, and <laughs> <meat>. We couldn't <laughs> eat them fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously, we'd
1: like you all to look out for... We're, we're, we've got a book coming out next year um yeah. and we hope it carries a very important message you'll obviously tell our story of our first walk coming together yeah. you know the girls and us but it's very much you want it to be a story of hope as well you know yeah stop people taking their own lives hopefully reaching out but also for families and people affected afterwards you know yeah. life's not always great for us but we're all here now you know we get up every morning and, and we you know, we've got things to do, you know, we've yeah. got a point to live, you know, and, and that's hugely important going on because each one of us has got other people that rely on us, people who love us, you know, and if people mm-hmm. can take something from that book, it will be, yeah, it'd be a great thing.
3: Yeah. Well, when it comes out, just give us a shout. We can, we can either have you guys back on and we can talk all about the book or we can just plug it all on our social medias and stuff more than happy. And obviously we would buy the book. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> that goes without saying. That, that's that, that's a given. We would buy the book. Do love a pre-order it on Amazon?
4: Amazingly enough, yeah, <laughs> will we? well, uh, yeah. we'll pre-order. yeah. It, we. Well, this is that's another part of the the surreal world that the three of us are landed in. You know, are you now
3: authors?
4: Yeah, author. Yeah, those yeah, three. Well, we're
1: writing. So, so, not authors yet. Yeah.
3: Uh, you're writers, not authors yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah um, I suppose that the last sort of section that I would really like to talk about is um, around how you guys today look after your mental health. So as, as three men, where you are today in your life, how, how are you today looking after your mental health? Obviously, you you do all of this amazing work, but your partner like your family life, how, how are you balancing all of that and finding a, a bit of a happy place? Because it's hard enough being a bloke anyway, but never mind being a bloke who've who's probably gone through some of the the things you guys have gone through. So h- how are you doing that?
4: Who's <laughs> answering <Yeah? laughs> <laughs> <laughs> that one first there? That's a great, that's a big
3: question, I know. <laughs>
2: It is. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard. I'm working full-time. I've got other kids, yeah. my wife, yeah. and it's hard to try and balance it all. You know, they, they, I've just seen my wife walk out with our little one, uh, for it, take the dog for a walk, and, uh, yeah, I'm missing out on that because I'm with you, Muppets, but I can cope with that for a night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's, it, it, it is a balancing act, and sometimes I think the problem we've got is is saying no to things, or I've, I've definitely got, you know, I think – yeah. we get inundated with requests for stuff and uh, we need to pull back. We've got, you know, Mike's mentioned the book. We've got a deadline to get the next bit of the book in, which is more time away. And it is, it's, it, it, it kind of takes over a little bit. And we've got to be careful that it doesn't take over too much. But there is a good point why we're doing this, as we've all alluded to, you know, especially this year, and especially with all the engagement with government. That is so important because that, that for, uh, well, that for me personally, Really helps with my mental health because it feels I'm doing something really positive, not just for me but for society, and that that giving to society is a really really good thing. From yeah, for me personally,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, as you alluded to before as well, Lewis, you know, helping people is a powerful thing, and it is mm-hmm. one of those uh, you know it, it it's a it's a good feel good, it's a feel good thing, helping people, believe it or not. You know, but, but it is a struggle sometimes. I, I'll openly admit, I, I go up and down all the time. But, uh, you know, but I've tried to do everything positive. I've got a plan for life. I've just, um, well, we've just um, bought a house in Anglesey. The reason is because of the fresh air, the sea. It is a beautiful place. But also, it's a sanctuary. I'm hoping for my family and friends to come out here and visit. So, you know, I've had all that to to plan. All the three dad stuff, as Tim said, it's a positive. You know, instead of you know, it doesn't allow me time to sit there with my head in my hands that could very easily happen. You know, I have to get up, I have to do something, and um, I'm probably the most disorganised out of the three of these lot. But there's you you no know, so yeah, probably, mate. There's no probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 I'm I'm still with it, and you know, so. Sort of, what do I do? I, I I try and get out and walk. I walk the dog, you know, I can swim here. I can, you know, I, I go to the gym and it's about not sitting on your ass. Sometimes it's a very yeah. easy thing to do. You know, even, mm-hmm. even if you're getting up and going for a half an hour walk, you know, sort of around the block a few times, it's important stuff. I just encourage people to, you know, to try. Yeah. It, yeah. You know,
4: it's a, it's a... I think it's a really good question you ask Luis at the end um about mental health because it's not it, it's not something that people normally ask mm-hmm. the however the situation that we've thrown ourselves into um by being so um open about our emotions and our and our experiences it's really interesting how the number of people who come up to you and say, how are you? No, how are you? How are you doing? And, and mean it really mean it, which is, is really, really few. Cause it's kind of nice to know that people actually care about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in many cases, it will be people that you don't know, you know, we, we do get recognized, which is a bit weird. Uh, and, and those people will ask how we're doing um, mm-hmm. and, and really mean it, but it, it's a, it's a lesson. I think for all of us to ask the, our family and friends how are, how are you, you know, asking twice. How are you? How are you? How are you doing? How are you really doing? Because it's good to give people a chance to tell you how they're actually doing. Um, yeah, you know, with our, with our girls, with Sophie, I, I spoke to her on the afternoon that she took her own life, and we had she was taking the Mickey out of me because I pocket dialed her, but. Um, you know, I never even thought to ask her how she was doing that day. I just didn't. Um, so it's a lesson lesson for us all to ask that. But in terms of what I'm doing, bloody hell, I can't stand still. For my wife and I—we're just looking at our diaries, trying to work out when we get to see each other again. You know, it's—I'm not like Tim. I don't work five days a week. I do it at the moment. I'm doing a two two day a week seasonal yeah. job, hiring people people's bikes people by I mean it's great. I just you know, it's nice to be out and do that. And I've I've got other than um the papyrus I'm involved in other charities they're doing all kinds of different stuff, some environmental stuff and uh, and you know plenty of friends to go out for a walk with, funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so getting out and about living in this part of the world is great to be outside. So I'll keep doing it.
3: I suppose the One other sort of question I have around that sort of stuff, and it's mainly because we've talked a lot on, on our podcast around how like diet is so positive for your mental health and cutting out alcohol. Now oh. I don't expect you guys to... <laughs> I know, I, I did see oh, the wine before. There's do? the beer. Lit- 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 literally uh, my type of guys, to be fair. But ha- have you found coming out or, or trying to, to move forward with, with life and be here and now and and live in the present. Have you found anything like diet or alcohol have affected anything? Like, have you found yourself having to to cut out in moments of actually? If I drink too much, I'll be be lower. Or, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I I, I have a tendency to uh, to to binge drink. Um, I'm I'm far better if I don't have a drink. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm an horrible person, but I'm talking about the day afterwards. You know, I'm yeah. far more active diet wise. You know, before I lost Beth, I used to watch my diet. You know, I used to train properly and everything. I'm afraid my diet's gone out the window a bit. I'll eat absolutely anything at the moment, mm. you know, but, um, you know, but just preparing for winter. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Abulation. Yeah, but, but to be perfectly honest, I'm very well aware that if I do look after my diet, and mm-hmm. drink less, control it a little bit. I do feel a lot better. I feel a lot healthier, a mm-hmm. lot sharper, and probably a lot happier. You know, so. But sometimes I suppose it is a coping mechanism now and again to, you know, drink a little bit too much. So, there you go, honest answer.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think when yeah. M died, in lockdown and stuff, it was really weird. I kind of totally went off alcohol and it, i don't i don't know i think because i thought if i drink i won't stop and yeah. I, I i didn't want to put that pain away i don't know i didn't want to put the pain away and uh yeah so i, I didn't kind of turn to it and i know now i, I clearly have a beer or two but yeah. it's not i, I do it there's, there's a load of mates in our village who have always gone out on a Thursday night. We're all in our fifties, something, the next group down to the 40 somethings, the next group down to the 30 somethings. And we just go out and we have a couple of beers on a Thursday night, two or three beers on a Thursday night. And so, you know, my group are all in our fifties. We were one guy who was a, a firefighter who had st- stage four throat cancer at one stage, literally given three weeks to live and somehow he lived. We've got other guys who had other types of cancer, you know, uh, one of the dads he had a after m died he uh he uh suddenly he wasn't there for a couple of weeks uh we were allowed to go to the pub during the lockdown at one point and he wasn't there and it's because he had a tumour pulled out from out of his, down his nose, a brain tumour pulled out down his nose. And he didn't think that was bad enough. He didn't want to open up because he thought, I've been through worse losing my daughter than him having the brain tumour pulled out of his nose, bless him. But there's a group of us that kind of go regularly. And it's a bit, a bit like this, really. We just talk about rubbish. have a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of, Mike, going back to kind of drinking, I tend to do it with, with friends. Uh, yeah. You know, rather yeah. than just sitting on my own and, and drinking.
4: Well, these two know I was brought up in a pub not <laughs> <laughs> a good place to start, is it? <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you the one thing I'm missing tonight. The at the parish council they're having a meeting, and one of the th- one of the topics is buying the pub. So I'm foregoing being in that meeting tonight to do this. Ooh, ooh. And so and I'm we'll um,
1: against you. Yeah? I hate to say. And, um, and 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 we have a beer named after us. Oh, we do have yeah. a beer named
2: after
4: us.
1: Yes. Oh,
4: wow. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a friend of mine runs a pub up the road and he's mm-hmm. a nutter, complete nutter. Um and he decided that he wanted to do it's actually where Gregor, my our son, worked there when he was at school in the university. Mm-hmm. And um obviously Anton was very aware of everything that's happened with us. And I think it was around about Christmas time, he said I've got an idea, I can get I'll go to the local breweries. And get them to uh, get them all to make the three dads walking beer, and we'll charge a premium on it, and we'll raise money for papyrus. Ah, oh, amazing! Um, well, interestingly, papyrus—the the guys at papyrus—went. That's a fantastic idea, but we can't support it because they can't be seen to support in things like alcohol, yeah, or yeah. betting, or uh, tobacco, or yeah. that kind of thing. So it's like, oh, so they can't actually be seen to be sort of supporting it. Uh, vocally, as it were, of officially, but Anton's yeah. gone ahead, and so yeah. So there's this beer that's in. Does it taste high. nice? It's fantastic. It is yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. yeah. So Mike and I haven't
2: done okay. yet. No, you haven't. No, you no, haven't. No, it's no, really, no, really, no.
4: really, really good, and it's yeah. selling like mad. And, it, and the, as well as selling it to, to Anton's pub, it's been sold to about another dozen pubs, South Lakes. Yeah. Um, but they've got oh, a brilliant
1: amazing. cartoon picture, haven't they, on the beer mat that goes with it, <laughs> and they've got the profiles just right, haven't they, Andy? We got it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> My silph like figure is that what you're trying yeah. to say, right? Yes.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. but, but, but yeah, so
4: I, I can't claim to 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 manage my uh, alcohol intake or or uh, food. Uh, yeah, I have, I have my moments. I, I think about it. The one thing that is really important <laughs> for me is exercise. <laughs> What yeah. are, you, are you laughing at? What, you, about
1: think, you think about it for a second, don't you? It comes yeah. in and then it's gone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it. then
3: just swallows it down. Oh yeah!
1: <laughs> no, got, all right, right. all right, all right. right. Got, we, 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 we had on the last walk, didn't there? Andy's cutting down. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> oh, Andy's yeah, cutting babe. down. Yeah, there he is. The yeah, Fiona. English. Andy, Andy down. Did cut down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he cut down loads. Ooh. It was amazing uh, how much he cut down. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> His willpower was, oh, it was, yeah, it was zen-like. It right, really as, I, was. as
4: I was saying, what I, <laughs> I do try and do is exercise, and I do go out for a run. I get, get I very, run very, very slowly nowadays, but I still go out and do it. Um, but walking, funnily enough, is a, an incredibly powerful thing. You know, we, we just take the opportunity to get out and walk, and uh, whether it's with Friends, or with Fee, my wife, or just by myself, I'll just get out and do it. So that 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 is a, yeah. a really powerful thing for me, uh, just to keep keep active in the outdoors.
3: Yeah, me too. Ethan, we're, we're going to move to your little section, um, and then we will be there or thereabouts. I think so. Ethan has a section every week. He asks our guests, so we're going to get three answers today, which is amazing. Um, oh I'm not God. going to say any more, so we'll let you go first. Go on,
0: Ethan. Yeah, so basically, lads, this is my little section that Lewis has started telling every guest about before I get a chance to say a word. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he said I tried not to
3: there. I did try not to there.
0: He said what it was, what he wanted from the guest, and, uh, and then he said, so Ethan, tell the guest what you would like them to say. So, yeah, so Chaps, obviously and um, we've discussed your journey so far and you've got a long way to go obviously you are making great progress for anyone who's out there whether they've been in your situation you know or just a everyday man or everyday woman what we would like to get off you is either a, a book a podcast or even a tv show which has sort of helped you or benefited you whether it was when you were younger today you know when you were going through your struggles um Anything like that that our guests may find interesting, if you could. We could start with anyone or Andy, do you want to start
4: first? Yeah, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is a book called The Chimp Paradox
3: yeah. by
4: um, Steve Peters, Dr. Steve Peters. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and he was, the, he was the man who worked along, alongside the British cycling team um, in the, just after the turn of the century. And I read that when it first came out. I can't remember, a long time ago, long time ago. And I just found that was a really fascinating book. The idea that you'll live with you in a chimp, that, you know, here we are human beings, but we're only a couple of million years in existence. Not even that, are we? We're 200,000 years old. And what we are actually uh primates. And uh, the thing that drives you, most of the time without knowing it is you're in a chimp and it's it's actually that the idea that that's all right because that's what we are we're we're basically chimps at heart um and the bit we can control it gives you some tips and uh techniques to understand when it's coming uh to allow it to happen i suppose um and to deal with it you no know, yeah yeah chimp paradox is what i wrote down
0: Fantastic! It's a great start. What about you, Tim? What are you saying?
2: Yeah. So, when when M died and it just didn't know which way to go, you know how to how to survive at all. There was a I'd seen a a, a talk and it's online. It's on YouTube and he was written a book. It's a guy called Admiral William McCraven, He's a U.S. Navy four-star admiral, special you know special forces, ex SEAL, bit of a hard nut. And he talks. It's a bit of a kind of leadershipy speech. And I'd seen this before M died. And I couldn't remember all of it. But when M died, he talks about how he gets through really, really hard times in his life. And the thing that came back to me as soon as M died, it's like I didn't know which way to go, was make your bed. And it was like, what the hell is that about? Right. Make your bed. And basically what he said, it doesn't matter what you however bad your life has got. If you get up in the morning and you make your bed and you do nothing else that day, when you go to bed that evening, you look at your bed and you'll go, I made that. At least I did one thing you know, positive that day. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: without a word of a lie, when Em died and, you know, we came back home on that Sunday and we all went to sleep. That that following the Monday morning got up. Oh, I just didn't know how to breathe, as Andy said before. Didn't know how to just work. And I just thought, I've got to make my bed. I've got to make my bed because if I make my bed, then I've done something positive at the start of that day. And that's pretty much how I got through the day. Made my bed, made the kids' beds and stuff. And then at least I knew when we all went to bed that night the beds of i have done something positive so yeah Admiral William McRaven he's he's I haven't read his book but he's he has put it into a book but it's just google him on YouTube or whatever is there
0: brilliant no that's great two great additions there two two and it's a really motivational story I know it's something that um myself and Lewis spoke about in the past and little wins like that's you know if you get two or three little wins in the day you know all of a sudden you've got a big win you know, yep, so they yep. all add up and it, it, it is, it's fantastic. I mean, yep, Mike, well. there's, there's, you've had two quality books there. Mike, what are you going to end us with?
1: i end with um, a book called The Map of Heaven by Dr. Eben Alexander. Um, as soon as I lost Beth, it was like, where's she gone? What's happened? Is that it? If you die, you're gone. Or is is there something more? Now I have no religious leanings, or didn't before I lost Beth, and I don't particularly now. As in sort of different religions and things like that, they're more like football teams. But this book tells the um, story of uh, basically a brain surgeon who um, contracted a meningitis and basically it it nearly killed him. But it's his journey, and he he talks now, he's written many books, but he talks about his life when he nearly died, and they call NDE's near-death experiences. And the point is, basically, he's cut the story short, he basically went to a place that was beautiful, full of love, and basically he was meant to be there so cut long story short i read this book and obviously it was in a horrible horrible place but then i started researching more about ndes and what happens when you die and it all sounds a bit out there i absolutely get it but my point is a lot of these stories and everything they overlap into religion you know Mm -hmm. sometimes you see another being you get a feeling a, a beautiful place I've even spoken to uh, people who've had these NDEs and I could have told you what they were going to tell me before they told me. But the point of this is, and I spoke to many people when we were walking as well, who asked me the question, and I don't push this subject. And do I believe? I don't know. But there's so much proof out there that there is a possibility there is something after this death, another dimension. So will I see Beth again? I might see Beth again. And as I always say, that makes these two laugh. If I ever see her again, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to kick her up the arse. But to see her again and to think there is hope that I could see her again and even the rest of your family could be together, it just gives people something else, another little bit of hope in the whole puzzle. So it's a bit out there. But that's what it is: The Map of Heaven by Dr. Eben Alexander.
0: Fantastic, and I appreciate you guys sharing with us. Thank you. you. Morgan,
3: yeah, that stunned you all, <laughs> honestly. Like, yeah, it's I've definitely just added it to my Amazon basket there as you were talking. So, so what you got really... was,
4: was, uh, was sport from me, you got <laughs> military from the military man, and yeah, who God knows what you got from the firefighter. <laughs>
1: I was a bit yeah. of a hippie once as well. So when I had hair, when I had hair, yes.
4: Fantastic. That's great. Mike.
3: Yeah. Well, gents that does wrap us up tonight. Um, what I will say is again, you were even more incredible. Your stories were even more incredible. Your wisdom was even more amazing than <laughs> I honestly, genuinely feel. I feel very emotional after this one. Um, and I I didn't know how I was going to feel, and there was times when you were all talking that I felt like I, I didn't really know how to ask a question from there because I I felt so moved by what you were saying. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, again, I I can only echo what we've we've said throughout. You are all amazing for for the things you now do, and you may not think it's brave, but it's certainly brave to to almost put your feelings to one side to help others and tr- really try and allow people to live and parents to live a better life without the fear, hopefully that their child might do this through some of the work you're doing with education. So yeah, I- incredible work. And we will always be a, a huge fan and a supporter. And if there's any way we as a podcast or even just a group of men or even just a group of humans c- can help and get involved, we would be more than happy to because we think you're a huge credit to, Everything that you're doing, and, and and even a bigger credit to all of your daughters for the amazing things that you you continue to do. Thank you, yeah thank, thank you. you. it's
0: thank Great you. to be with you. Been a pleasure yeah, being yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks very well, much, boys. In the yeah, and I was going to say, Andy, enjoy your anniversary. Well, what's yeah. <laughs> of it, mate? Yeah? Yeah.
4: Yeah. You're going to go <laughs> and finish yeah. in the doghouse, aren't you? <laughs> I could call Fiona in, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> telling off.
3: <laughs> she can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Very she, she could have watched the oh, whole you.
1: film on Netflix. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> she,
3: yeah. She can, yeah, yeah. That's Netflix and chill to another way. That isn't it? They get to go <laughs> yeah. and chill, and you sit and talk to your mates. But yeah. all good. There's an no idea. No,
1: brilliant. <laughs> brilliant.
3: Brilliant. A okay. Well, well, thank you very much, all listeners, for tuning in, and we will catch you on
2: the next one. Let's go. Time to grind, get inside your mind. Yeah, we working over time. That's the only way to climb. We gon' make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line. Cashing checks left and right. That's the way I'm living life.